All righty. Well, we're going to obviously pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to continue to see what Solomon, the, the wise man here, what good words he has to, to tell us tonight um, with his wisdom and all his money. So I'm sure that he's got some things that we can take away from tonight. So last week, we finished up chapter 6, if I remember right, and we got into chapter 7. If you want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. <clears throat> and I think we barely got touched into chapter 7 pretty good on the first couple of verses, if I remember right. But if, if you remember, we started off talking about verse 1 where it talks about a good name is better than a good ointment. And we talked about that a good bit, that you know, there is a lot to a good name. Uh, does this sound, sound like it's echoing to me? Um, but how a good name is a good thing, right? And, you know, when we leave this earth, our name is going to be around and we know all that. But then we also mentioned, too, that even that, in the end, you know, we're still going to die, right? And as Jim mentioned last week, let's always remember, too, as we have... In the whole book, I always remember that we're thinking under the sun thinking, okay? Under the sun thinking apart from God. Um, and we're all going to die, right? We talked about that last week, too. The death rate in this area is still 100%. So eventually we're all going to die. And the, the thing is, are we ready? And to make sure that we live our lives here, that what we do leave behind, you know, is what people are going to remember us by. And then we talked even, I guess, I need to go a little bit further, too. And the day of one's death is even better than the day of one's birth. Uh, I know we talked about that a little bit as well, how, you know, how, that kind of sounds funny at first, right? That how can your death be better than the day of one's birth? Well, if you're toiling and going through this life and struggling and all the stuff that you got to deal with under the sun, you can get pretty wore out, you know, where, you know, the death... It's almost like, ah, you know, <laughs> I can relax a little bit or not really relax, but you can get away from it all or not go into that daily grind, I guess is what I, I should say. Um, so one's death is better than the day of one's birth because the day of your birth, you're just starting out. Things are just starting. Uh, everything is ahead of you. And we mentioned how short life is, right? And we've touch on that pretty much all the time in here life is short you know it's just as as it's, the bible says is a vapor and we don't have a whole whole lot of time here on this earth and we mentioned that you know we don't have a whole lot of time on this earth to serve our lord and do what's right but it seems like we got plenty of time to mess things up and make a mess of stuff right so let's always make sure we spend our time on focus on the lord and serving him so Solomon continues uh, in his wise words here in chapter 7, uh, verse 2. He says, <clears throat> 7 2, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. I think we talked about that a little bit as well uh, last week. What does that mean? Y'all remember, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. Mike? That's right. Very big in the contrast there. It's like from one extreme to the other. Okay, the house of feasting or a party or celebration versus 
the house of mourning, a death or a funeral. And um, since we've met last in this class, me and Cheryl, were, we went to a graveside memorial. And as you can imagine, <clears throat> this is, I think about this book a lot here lately. And man, when you're out there and at that graveside memorial and you're looking at that tombstone and standing around, of course, that's, I was thinking about this the whole time. I mean, that's, you do. You st- even after we've gone through all this and talked about all this, I caught myself staring at these graves. And then we went over and looked at my grandma and grandpa and some uncles and whatnot. And you just catch yourself looking and thinking, man, it's just a matter of time, you know. You think you're going to live forever sometimes, but one day that's going to be me in the ground too beside them. So, yeah, it definitely makes you think. And we mentioned that as Christians, we got to think about that. And if you think about it, that's how we're really driven as Christians, right? Our Savior died for us on the cross. He's in heaven preparing a home for us. So we're always thinking about death and where we're going after death, right? So as Christians, that should always be on our mind, and we should always be doing what's right to make sure we get there, right? So uh, any other comments? I was reading an article, too, and it says in New England um, many, many, many years ago, like the old church buildings that they would build there. Um, Of course, like a lot of places you go to, there'd be a cemetery in the back, right, on the property near the building. But they said back in the day, most churches you think about have like the stained glass windows in the church building. But they say over there they were building during that period all the church buildings with clear glass where you could see in and out real well. And they said they did this for a couple of reasons. Um, But one of the main reasons they did it was they wanted, as the preacher was up there preaching to the congregation, they wanted him to look out and see that cemetery behind everybody. And they wanted him to preach a sermon knowing that he was preaching to them, the church, or to the lost, knowing one day that they were going to be in that cemetery back there. So you're talking about motivation. <laughs> to me, that's, you're looking out at the cemetery as you're preaching, you know, that kind of changed your attitude a little bit, that you're really making an impact, or what you're doing is really pretty serious and has everlasting effect to it. So I thought that was a pretty interesting article there. <coughs> Let's read verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> chapter 7, 3 and 4. It says, sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. Countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. So it's almost like he's saying the same thing to an extent, right? If you look at that, what we just read, and it's almost like he's repeating it, maybe just saying it just a, a little bit different, maybe adding a little bit to it. But the, as far as preferring laughter and pleasure, um, there it's going back to there's still benefits, whether we want to realize it or not, to sorrow and mourning. You know, there's a lot to be learned and, and to take away from that in, instead of pleasure. And we know life's full of sadness and sorrow, but, you know, it's difficult a lot of times to accept that and to see how that really works into our life, right, or what benefit that is to us, uh, but really it means everything, you know, and I know 
we've talked about this several times and over and over again that that makes us a better person, you know, and that's kind of what he's driving home here. You know, the pleasure side of things, and we're going to read a little more about that in a little bit too, going back to the house of a feasting or a party or a get-together, that's all temporal, uh, temporary stuff. You know, that's all in the moment. You get caught up in the moment. But how long does that last, typically? Just maybe an hour or two, right? Then you get in your car and drive home, and, like, you know, you're back to, to where you were. It just lasts for, for a little while, which that, he, you know, that's temporary stuff, and that's how this life is here on this earth. It's just temporary. And that's why they keep emphasizing and emphasizing over and over. We need to have our minds set on, you know, other things, more important things. Jeff and then Mike. And that's the whole theme of this book. The whole time, from the time we started having this class, everything that Solomon is doing and going through, it's all in the moment and temporary, which under the sun, thinking, it is temporary. Mike? No, and that's exactly right. And how many... Do we get caught up in that today? Do you ever feel like we've mentioned that in here, like the good old rat race we get into every day? And it's easy to forget why we're here sometimes, isn't it? Because you're, you're too busy going through the motions and going to work and making the money and paying the bills and eating and sleeping and all that stuff. And then when's the last time you thought about why you, what we're really supposed to be here for? Why are we really on this earth, you know, as Christians? And you just get caught up in it. But yeah, if we keep our focus and realize what we're here for and our goal, you know, technically our goal is death, right? <laughs> it's hard to think of it that way. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're right. <clears throat> You're right. We all want our kids, <clears throat> or more, you know, some more than others. They want your kids to go out, get a degree, do whatever, work, 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 make all the money you can make. You know, it's all about getting a good job and making as much money as you can and having a good lifestyle, And <clears throat> which, you know, I'm not saying that a good lifestyle is a bad thing. I mean, I guess it's how you look at it and how you treat it. But if that's your focus and that's your motive and what good are you doing with your money, you know, it goes back to the money thing, you know. So imagine reading your own obituary. Alfred... Nobel had that opportunity. Around the turn of the 20th century, Nobel's brother passed away. Alfred picked up his morning paper the next day to see what was written about his brother and was stunned to discover his own obituary. I got Jim choked up. The paper mistakenly printed that Alfred had died. Man, you got me going. Describing him as the inventor of dynamite, Nobel realized the legacy he was leaving was associated with death and destruction. Alfred had a second chance to rewrite his legacy. With input from friends, he decided to invest some of his wealth to honor those who furthered the cause of peace in the world. Today, many know that Nobel (coughs) invented dynamite, but he is better known for another of his creations the Nobel Peace Prize. I thought that was pretty cool. So you and I, like him, we're going to leave a legacy, right? I mean, good or bad, we're going to leave behind our mark, so to speak. You know, it's going to have a lasting impact on some people for a short while, and then it's going to be gone, like we've talked about. 
For a short while, people may remember you. Your family may remember you. There may be stories about you or whatnot. Uh, But God, he's given us the capacity to think about carefully what we leave behind intentionally, okay? To leave behind this, uh, this worthwhile just realized I got a couple of stories tonight. I didn't realize. Here's another one. It says, during World War II, the Japanese attacked Allied forces using uh, kamikaze pilots, right? I feel sure most know what that is. These pilots who believed in, I think it's Shinto, Shinto philosophy of honorable death in battle would commit suicide by flying their bomb planes into Allied sea targets. Sea targets. Not sea turtles. A television documentary showed the kamikaze pilots as they climbed into their planes. Once they were situated, workers would permanently seal the cockpits. I thought about that for a little bit. Once the pilots got in the planes, they would seal the cockpits where they couldn't get out. And I'm assuming they'd probably even take the handles off where they couldn't get out from the inside. But then they would drill or glue the outside too where they couldn't get out. Assuming they had Gorilla Glue. And they were ready for their departure. The planes were only given enough fuel to go one way. So there ain't no way they were coming back. They had enough fuel to get to their mission, and that was it. Uh, The fate of the kamikaze pilots was sealed before they even left the ground. Okay, they knew their mission, and they knew what was going on. It's hard to wonder what must have been going through their minds of the young soldiers Uh, Certainly, they must have thought about what was going to happen to them. But can you imagine uh, bravely shutting out the inkling of death from their minds, choosing instead to focus on the mission at hand? Can you imagine that? That what they went through and the preparation and mentally going through. But if you think about it, I'm not calling us kamikaze pilots by no means, but kind of look at life in general for for a second, okay? We're here on this earth for a short while, right? Maybe 100 years or less, if we're lucky. Some a lot shorter than that. So in a way, we know our situation. We know our destination. And we know we got a short time on this life, right? We got just enough fuel to get there. So in, in a way, we're kind of in the same, same predicament they, that they're in, if you think about it that way. But if you think about death, so many things in our mind that you think about death, and besides, you know, we don't even like to think about it to begin with. But I just want to mention a couple of these things to us to let us know that some people think it's bad or dark or never want to think about death, or you mention it and they kind of start, you know, wigging out on you and stuff. But it's actually a healthy thing to do as Christians. We should be doing that, okay? We should be doing it. Any Questions, thoughts? All right, let's keep moving. <clears throat> so the second, the section we're going to read now is going to kind of remind us that God's love, uh, too much to let us remain as we are, okay? So if we read verses 5 and 6, chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. So we see here, 
Solomon relates the, the meaningless praise and laughter to fools as what? Crackling bushes under a pot. What do you think? I know you probably... Go ahead, Jim. Yep. Just like we mentioned a minute ago, it's just short-lived and kind of like the crackling too. There's a loud pops and loud noise and, you know, it's like a big show or whatever. Kind of like laughter. But then it just goes out as, about as quick as it started, just like these thorns. Quick... Short heat, but then goes right out. So, Mike, and that's what Jim was saying. That's like laughter. You know, it's like burning thorns trying to cook something. It's just the results are just a lot of loud noise and crackling and pop, intense heat for just that quick, and then it's over. It shows us the contrast. But I mean, if you think about it, that we should be the same way, right? I mean, we should laugh and have fun, but we should never forget <laughs> too. Like Solomon was trying to. To, you know, to tell us here, you know, laughter is one thing, but there's more important things than laughter, right? A bigger lesson to be learned, I guess, is what you could say, too. Because, like, this flame is going to flare up, and it's going to have a, you know, big effect for just a short minute, and then it's going to die out, and then you're going to need something else to stoke the fire, like Mike said. You're going to be sitting there all night trying to throw thorns under that thing just to, to keep it going. So... So there was, uh, anybody ever heard of Mickey Mantle? So he was a famous football player, right, Scott? No? <laughs> so famous New York uh, Yankee Mickey Mantle tells how as a teenager playing in the minor leagues, he began playing poorly and growing discouraged. He gave into homesickness and self-pity and kind of just homesick and whining and whatnot. So he calls his dad to come get him to take him home. I think we've all been there before, uh, as well as at least when they were younger, anyhow. But they said when Charles Mano arrived, he didn't give the expected sympathy and reassurance uh, to his son. Instead, he looked at his son and said, Okay, if that's all the guts you've got, you might as well come home with me right now and work in the mines. It was a slap to the face, almost a slap to the face uh, to Mickey. But he said the young man got the message, stuck it out, and went on to make baseball history. So <coughs> we all get discouraged and get down on ourselves, right? Sometimes people just got to come along and, and, and get us back in online and in course there. Chapter 7, verses 7 through 10. Surely oppression destroys a wise man's reason, and a bribe debases the heart. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely uh, concerning this. Yeah. So the injustice of life causes many people problems, right? Even believers uh, causes problems. If we don't allow God to set it straight, um, it's easy to get discouraged, okay? You got oppression that rules and reigns over, you know, the country. You got business folks and corrupt politicians and taking bribes and whatnot. Uh, and it's easy to get upset and mad sometimes. And you can read the Bible. And have you ever read the Bible and just thought, 
there's something real wrong, and almost you could even get mad or upset if you let it, that what the Bible says that we are to do and the things we do, and then you look at what's going on around the world and what people are doing and how corrupt things are, it's easy sometimes to get mad and upset and angry uh, because you know how things are supposed to be, but you see, you look around and you see how things actually are, are going. But we always got to remember, in the end, it's what matters, right? In the end, God's work is better than its beginning. Um, and it, as we just read, that's why Solomon, he emphasizes patience so much. You know, we've got to have patience. Um, our society today, as we all know, we just kind of give up on the long haul. You know, we're in it for, we want everything now, right now, everything instant. And right here, you know, instant coffee, fast food, just whatever, immediate gratification instant entertainment, whatever. Um, But it's telling us here, patience has a lot to do with who we are. You know, how many times do we get impatient with our, you name it, out on the streets in traffic or with our family or with our kids or sure I'll get impatient with me or, you know, impatient at work or even get impatient with people at the church, you know, in the church or with the church. You know, we're, we're quick to lose our patience um, but God is interested in our character development, right? So a lot of times uh, he's going to test our patience. And this is going to make us better Christians, as we've talked about a couple of times already. That's why we go through a lot of things that we go through in life. That, that's God testing our patience and how we're going to react to things and how that makes us a better Christian. You know, the trials that we go through strengthen us and makes us stronger. Um, because, you know, they always say we're not, you know, running a sprint, we're running a marathon. And that's true. You know, we're in it for the long haul. We're not in it for today or tomorrow or for the week. We're in it to the, to the end and, you know, for years or whatever. So every day that we can take that opportunity to get stronger and stronger and, and pass these tests, the better Christian uh, we become. And then at the end of that, what we read, um, I wanted to bring out two, where it mentions uh, former days are better than these. Do y'all know people that still live in the former days, that live in the past? We do. And I tell you what, there's some miserable people. I know some miserable people that live in the past that... Oh, it was so much better. I had, I did this. I had that. Blah blah blah. And I've seen people bitter, angry, mad at people because they're still not living back there. Somebody pulled them out of that and shifted this or shifted that or done something to them. But that's all they talk about and all they think about is the past, the good old days, the good old days. What's wrong with that? The good old days were bad, too. <laughs> That's the point Solomon's making here. That's the point making. Yeah, they were bad. Good old days were bad, too. But, yeah, I know people like that, and it sounds like y'all know people like that, too. And it's sad because look at all that they've missed in life, looking back at the good old days or the times past, how good they had it then and how miserable they've been for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Look at what they've missed in the last 20 or 30 years. You know, they've missed a lot. 
And that's what we've been talking about. We need to be enjoying today, yesterday and today and tomorrow. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, some people don't deal with change good. And a lot of people, too, I've noticed, and you probably can see this or agree, that there's a point in sometimes in your life that you make a turn left or right, and then you realize you don't know how you got there. But you remember how good it was back then, and you spend the rest of your life trying to get back there or figure out where you went wrong or where did I make the wrong turn. And you spend more time dwelling and thinking about that than forgetting about that, looking ahead, making things right, and living for today, you know? Mike? Yep. It's like a double double whammy there, dwelling on the past and you're not enjoying the present, you know, and not securing your future. So it's just bad all around. Good points. Good points. Uh, let's read 11 and 12 real quick. Verse 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. So saying prosperity can be a good thing, you know, if the prosperous person behaves wisely or, you know, uses it for the right for the right thing. You know, Solomon states that both prosperity and wisdom are literally shadows, right, that offer protection. Uh, but the best part about wisdom uh, is that it guides one through the difficult times. Money, on the other hand, is like the, is the opposite. You know, it often vanishes, right, in hard times or lasts for a minute and then it's gone, right? Uh, so wisdom is much, much better, uh, as stated, than money. Uh, Solomon, I, I got here Proverbs 1-7, which Solomon says, uh, the fear of God, in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise it. Verse 13 says, Consider the work of God, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? Verse 14, In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. So he says, Solomon explains that we can't understand Sometimes why God uses adversity and prosperity as he does, right? You know, God being certain things or mentioning certain things being bent, and there's nothing we can do about it, right? I mean, there's some certain situations where it says some things are bent. Um, there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, and it's usually useless to even try to figure it out, right? Even try to figure it out or make straight what God has made crooked. Uh, what do you think some of that may mean some things are made crooked. What in the world could that be? What could he make crooked that we can't straighten out? Or what things in this life could be crooked? Anything else? I think we're out of time. Yep, we are. Thank you all very much. Appreciate it.